Good morning, church. Good morning. Merry Christmas. I mean, it's Christmas, and I love, I love, I love this time of year. I love the carols. I love everything about this time as we get to worship Jesus. And that's such a great celebration. And we're marking his birth, the day that split history in two, right? B.C. before Christ, A.D. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And it's all split because of Jesus' birth. And, and Jesus changed the world. And Jesus changed our lives. We're forever grateful. Now, Christmas has been called the most wonderful time of the year. And in so many ways it is. Uh, but it's also a busy time, you know. And it's a time where sometimes Jesus can get lost because we got so much happening and so much going on. And we're into everything and already busy, overscheduled, overcrowded lives. We add all this other stuff to it. And so for us to say, hey, we want to make this year about Jesus. We want to focus on him and his love and his grace. And I'm so glad that you're here today. A couple of weeks ago, we were putting up our Christmas tree. And so putting up our Christmas tree is always kind of a big deal around our house. And, and so we were getting the tree. We we're getting everything laid out. And most of the time, I'm usually more of a distraction uh, at putting up the Christmas tree. Lisa's really good at that. And she likes everything to be in the right places. And, and uh, you know, so she lays it all out. And then I kind of turn up the music. We have a little dance party or I put on hats. And we have a good time uh, with the girls doing all the Christmas thing. And then this year, though, I kind of got stopped in my tracks because I started opening up all the ornaments. And every year, our girls, like, at Christmas time, they'll make homemade ornaments, you know. Lisa does art and all that. And so, and, and it's always fun and everything. But I don't ever really take the time to kind of look, you know. I'm just kind of like, oh, that's good. That's great. Let's put it on the tree. And this year, I kind of stopped and I looked. And it was amazing to me. So there was this ornament that was, uh, this is uh, Grace, her first Christmas, our first baby. I was like, some of you, you're going to have that this year, right? Look at those cheeks. You just want to eat her up, right? You know, so, and I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, she's 15 now. You know, how did that happen? Or this one, and this is Kate when she was baptized right out here. And we always tell her, you can make an ornament, your favorite thing that happened this year. And Kate's like, my baptism, you know? And so uh, I love that. All three of my girls have been baptized here at church. And man, just as a dad, it's just awesome, you know? Uh, this one, there was some trip that we went on and their little cowboy hats and we were having fun. Or this one where we had, you know, just Merry Christmas. It was one of the Christmas cards one year with the, the girls. And I'm looking through those and I'm just thinking, wow, I love being a dad. <laughs> I just, I love being a dad. But I started thinking about God the Father. God the Father who sent his one and only son to us. We were in a rebellion against God, but we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. Christmas is all about the Father coming to us. And just as a dad, it kind of got overwhelming to me. I'm like, wow, that God would give his one and only son. And to think about the depth, the love, and the grace of the Father. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah Chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. We'd love for you to take one. It's our gift to you. Merry Christmas. And uh, follow along with what God's Word has to say. Isaiah is in the middle of the Bible. Kind of like if you open in the middle, you'll be probably pretty close to Isaiah. If you end up in Psalms, go to the right and you'll get there. But Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus. 700 years before Jesus. And it was a time of kind of gloom and doom there. The Assyrians were kind of attacking and, and the people were, were out of hope. And so God speaks to him and says, hey guys, it's going to be okay. Hope is coming. Hope is coming. 
And hope has a name. It's the Messiah. So look here, Isaiah 9, 6. says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, four names, right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, guys, we've been walking through one name each week, and we saw the first week, Wonderful Counselor. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled that, right? The wonder of Christ. I mean, and the Counselor to lead us and guide us. Last week, we saw Mighty God. And that truly, Jesus is Mighty God. Now, a little clarity from last week, if you were here, just, just so you know, right, I really do like AT&T, uh, especially uh, Brenda and customer service, big fan. Uh, also, you know, I will, if there's not a college football game on, I will snuggle on the couch and watch a Hallmark movie with my girls. So just, just so you know, and I, I like that. So if you missed last week, go back and you can watch or listen. But what we were talking about is this, is that mighty God comes into the ordinary, I mean, how crazy is that, right? Mighty God, like, shows up in the manger, in the stable, in the hospital room, in the storm. So often we think it's going to be some grandiose deal, right? And there's angels that appear. But God comes to us in the ordinary. And if you're watching and you're listening, you will see God this Christmas. You will. You will see God this Christmas. Today we want to talk about this, that He is everlasting Father. Now, when the people heard that, they're like, the Messiah is going to be everlasting father? What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? What are you talking about, right? Because the people were wanting a Messiah that would come in on a, on a stallion and overthrow the Assyrians and Isaiah or overthrow the Romans, right, and return the Jews to a place of prominence. Or they were looking for a Messiah who would be like Moses and Elijah, this great prophet, you know. They didn't expect... <laughs> The Messiah to come in humility and grace. And they didn't expect him to have the heart of a father. Now, if you're kind of thinking theologically, this doesn't mean, right, if you kind of go and laying it out, that the son becomes the father. In our earthly mindset, that's what happens, right? Fathers have sons. Sons become fathers. We kind of move that. But think about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. But the Messiah came to show us the heart of the Father. The Messiah came to show us what God is really like. And that's what we see in Jesus. If you want to turn with me to the New Testament, turn with me over to the Gospel of John. John, right? The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament, all talk about Jesus. All talk about the Messiah. So if you're looking for a place to read, you just start reading in Matthew or start reading in Luke. But Matthew and Luke give you the birth narrative. So the whole Christmas story that we get, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, we see in Matthew and we see in Luke. Mark kind of fast forwards to Jesus' earthly ministry. He kind of hits when Jesus is 30. But John looks at Christmas from a spiritual point of view. John looks at Christmas from a spiritual point of view. So pick up here, John chapter 1. It says this, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Now notice, Word is capitalized, Right? Word literally means Jesus. The Messiah in the beginning was Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. It wasn't that Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem and said, Hello, I'm here. You know, no, Jesus has always been. He is fully God. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. 
And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that a cool thought? The darkness hasn't overcome it. You know, if this room was pitch dark, right, but there was one little speck of light, all of our eyes were going to go to that one little speck of light. And it doesn't matter how dark it is, it can't stop the light. The light is brighter, right? That's why we have Christmas lights at Christmas. But there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is not John the Apostle. That's John the Baptist, the forerunner. Sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So remember in the Old Testament, there was these prophecies that said, before the Messiah comes, there will be one who will come and prepare the way. That's John the Baptist, right? That's what he's talking about. But the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. It's pretty true, right? I mean, Jesus comes into the world, but he comes in humility. He comes in grace. People were waiting for this warrior. People were waiting for this big prophet, but he came to pay the price for our sins. And so many people in the world missed him back then. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Who's that? That's the Jews, right? He came for his people. Now, some of the Jews did. They're Messianic Jews. They believe Jesus is the Messiah, but many of them missed him. They weren't looking. They weren't seeing who he really is. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who is that? Us, right? That's us. I mean, how incredible is that? He gave the right to become children of God. And Two billion other people in the world today would profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And then look at verse 14. Here's John's birth story. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It's like he says the whole Old Testament, what everybody was waiting for, became flesh, leapt off the page and made His dwelling with us. Jesus is here. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible. Man, that's a great place to underline, right? That Jesus is full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Right? He's always been, right? Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law, the Old Testament, Moses, the lawgiver, 613 laws in the Old Testament. But the only thing the law can do is show us where we're broken. Right? If you break your leg and you go to the hospital and they take an x-ray, they go, yep, it's broken. X-ray says it's broken. You're like, thanks. You know, that's great. I know it's broken. It hurts, right? I need help. I don't just need you to tell me it's broken. I need help. Hey, Jesus came along as grace and truth. Jesus came along to bring healing and hope and redemption. Jesus paid the price for us. The law just showed us where we were broken. And now Jesus comes to bring healing. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son 
who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. How cool is that? That Jesus came to show us God. God the Father. You know, our deepest need, right? One of our deepest needs is, is to have that healthy relationship with the Father. I mean, it is. Now, for a lot of you, when we talk about Father, it, you're like, oh, that's great, you know, because you had a great earthly father, and you're like, okay, I can relate to that. That makes sense. For some of you, we start talking about Father, and you're like, oh, man. Mm. See, you struggle in your relationship with God because you, you struggle in your relationship with your earthly father. And every time we start talking about God the Father or Jesus showing us the heart of a father, you're like, man, I, yeah, not me. Maybe for some of you, you grew up and your, your dad was just never there. Maybe for others, your dad walked out on you. My wife, Lisa, she's amazing. I love my wife. She's wonderful. But, you know, Lisa has always struggled with that because... Because she had a dad, and, and her dad never told her he loved her. He was of that generation, you know, right? You know, just don't say that, right? You just don't say that, you know? And, and yet she just longed to hear that from her dad. And she never did. And it always just weighs on her, you know? But here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? People are going to let us down, but God never will. And so often we... We blame God for that. But people are going to fall. But God is the perfect Father. God steps in. God knows exactly what we need and the help and the hope. And God comes to us. There's the impact of a father. I was looking at this as we were studying and researching. And, and here's some things that I found, just some studies that have been done recently. Notice this one. Look, this is from the U.S. Census Bureau. Okay, so this isn't for me, or this isn't for the Bible. The U.S. Census Bureau said there is a father factor in nearly all social ills facing America today. <laughs> There's a father factor. Look at this one. This says the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services states fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Some of you guys know that. Some of you have beaten the odds, but man, you know, because there's something missing in my heart, in my life. Look at this one. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. 71%. Look at this. 85% of youth in prison have an absent father. Fatherless children are more likely to offend and go to jail as adults. 85%. And that's massive. Look at this one. Homelessness. 90% of runaway children have an absent father. You look at the impact of a father. It's not just in the physical though, right? It, it's, it's also in the spiritual. If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. Uh, that's huge. Now many of you, you've beaten those odds. Some of you are first generation Christians. Some of you are like, man, you know what? I, I, we were missing something at home and I know it was Christ. And man, I'm here and this is important to me, and I want to impact generations. But look at this stat, too. When both parents attend Bible study or community group, right, in addition to Sunday service, 72% of their children will attend Sunday school when grown. There is a huge impact of the Father. God knows that. 
He created us. And where our earthly fathers sometimes will let us down, God never lets us down. See, the job of the father writes threefold, right? Number one is to provide. That's what fathers do. They provide. Man, you go back, right? The cavemen, hunters or gatherers, that's what they do. They take care. They provide for their family. But providing for the family, it's not just food and, you know, clothes. Providing for the family is also emotional. It's also being present. It's also saying, I love you. You know those words, I love you, they're not implied, by the way. Okay, gotcha. They, they've got to be said. They've got to be said often. It matters. It makes a difference. The second thing that father does, the job of a father is to protect. That's what dads do. They protect. Right? They protect their family. They step in. Now, being the dad of three daughters, I know my role to protect. And I know my daughter is, you know, 15, and at some point there's going to be some hairy-legged boy coming to ring the doorbell, right, and show up on the porch. I'm going to be like, who are you, man? I mean, like, I just wonder because I don't think you're good enough for her, okay? You know, so I'm going to be stepping in there into that role. Some of you guys, you know, your dads, you know what I'm talking about, right? But that's the job of dad. You protect. But we have to protect what comes into our home. We have to protect what comes into their lives, even as kids. We have to know what's on social media. We have to know the things that they're looking at. We have to protect. But then also to provide and protect and then also to prepare, to prepare. That's what a dad does is prepare. You know, in Jewish culture, right, it, it was the moms that nurtured. But at age five, the dad stepped in and started preparing them for a job, a trade, what they would do. It was a dad's role. And a lot of times we want to stay as little babies. They're so cute, you know, our little toddlers. They're so fun. They're so sweet. But we also have to prepare them to be godly adults, to live it out. It was the mom and the dad, both of them back in Jewish culture, who would teach them the Torah, who would teach them the Old Testament. It wasn't like, hey, I'm just going to outsource that to the mom or I'm going to outsource that to the church. It was the, the dad who was stepping in and saying, hey, I want to teach you to pray. I want to be with you to Scripture. I want to help you in that. We all need that in our lives. Yeah, when we were going through all the Christmas ornaments, there was one picture that kind of stood out to me too. It's our middle daughter, Mabry. And here she is looking at Santa Claus and, I just love that little cute picture. You know, I mean, it's just so cute. I know sometimes we took our kids and they started crying when they saw <laughs> Santa Claus. But, but, but Mary's just looking and looking up at him. But, but you guys know the origin, right? I mean, St. Nicholas was an actual person. He lived in Turkey in the 4th century. And you know, he was a strong believer, right? He, he was a bishop. He was a church leader. And he was one of the most generous people ever. The guy just saw needs, and he was giving to the poor, and he was helping out all the time. He was actually at the Council of Nicaea, 325 A.D., when they were putting the Scriptures together. I mean, this guy was involved in furthering God's kingdom. We come St. Nicholas, also known as Father Christmas. Right at Christmas, we're looking for that Father, C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you ever read those with your kids. They're, they're awesome or you watch the movies. But C.S. Lewis brings Father Christmas into Narnia. And, and he's there to, to protect and provide for the kids. And, and I love that just kind of scene. And he's like, no, it's Father Christmas. That's what God's doing here at Christmas. The greatest gift of all. C.S. Lewis said, without Jesus, without Aslan, it's always winter but never Christmas. <laughs> Without Jesus, it's always winter, but never Christmas. And so God the Father steps in. If you're taking notes today, 
hey, I'd love for you to write some things down. I'd love for you to write some things down. First of all, I want you to see this. It's just the impact of a father. Jesus, the Messiah, shows us the impact of a father. Fathers, look at this verse from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know, men in this room, listen, your words carry weight. Your words carry weight. They do with your children. They do with your spouse. They do with your coworkers. Your words carry weight. And your job, my job, is not to exasperate our children, but to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's what we're called to do. Dads, granddads, all of us, uncles, we need the love and acceptance of a father. It's the way we were made. We all need that in our lives. And for some of you, if you have a great earthly father, please send him a text and tell him, thank you, you're awesome, love you, I care, I thank you for being there. But I know if you struggle with your father, here's the danger, right? Don't project the shortcomings of your earthly father onto your perfect heavenly father. And some people do this. There's, there's people that I've known who, who, man, just in their life, they're so driven and they're trying to do this thing and you kind of get to the root of why they're doing it. They're trying to get the approval of their earthly dad. And you're like, man, listen, uh, I'm sorry, you know, but your earthly dad passed away. I mean, it's like you're still living for that. And people project onto their heavenly father the failings of our earthly father. As men, we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. I mean, we're going to strive and try. But listen, it's God who's the perfect father. And regardless of whether you had a great earthly dad or you didn't, please see God as the one who steps into your life, who is the father for you, the one you so desperately need and desperately desire. And God says, you are mine, and I love you. Hey, through Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. That is good news. Guys, that is great news. We are adopted into the family of God. Look at this verse from Galatians. But when the set time had fully come, it's Christmas, right? God sent his son, born of a woman, right? Fully man, so that Jesus can identify with all the struggles that we go through, all the temptations that we face. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. And then he paid the price that we should be paying for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid our price so that you and I could be adopted into the family of God, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Before Jesus, we were in rebellion against God. We were. I mean, holy God, sinful man, right? It's not breaking news today that we've sinned. All of us know that. We're like, yeah, I know. I probably did this morning, right? I mean, we were in rebellion against God. But through Jesus, we're adopted into God's family. <laughs> what great news. We're adopted into God's family. We've got brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you may have grown up at, a, at kind of one of those smaller churches where it's like, hey, everybody's brother or sister, right? Brother Bob, you know, Sister Jane, you know, and everybody's like brother and sister. I, I love that. I kind of think that's fun. I think that's awesome. But what are they saying? We're all a family. We're all a part. And we need the body of Christ. You know, every believer in the New Testament was part of a local church. <laughs> they were in it. It's the way God designed it. Some people go, well, I, you know, I like Jesus, but I'm not sure about the church. You're like, 
It's like saying, well, I like you, but I don't like your body. It doesn't make sense, right? It, it all goes together. It's a package deal. There's no perfect church, but we are the family of God. Look at this one. Jesus shows us the everlasting Father. Guys, Jesus shows us the everlasting Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. <laughs> fully man, fully God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what God's like? Read about Jesus. That's why Jesus came, to show us the heart of the Father. Sometimes maybe you grew up and you just thought God was always condemning, right? You, know, you couldn't do anything right, and you were always in trouble. And that's like, what? No. What you see with Jesus is grace and truth. Jesus shows us how God responds to us. God responds to you in grace. God responds to you in truth. Hey, here's the grace, but here's how I want you to live. Here's what I want you to do. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. As the everlasting Father, Jesus promises. He promises to, look at this verse. He will bring back many of the people to Israel, to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, Jesus promises, he promises to provide for you. He promises to provide for you. Maybe you're already stressed out. Maybe Christmas is already like, oh man, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just like totally stressed to the max. Listen, God's with you. Please hear that today. Jesus was talking in Matthew chapter 6. And he said, look at the birds of the air. You know, they don't plant or sow, right? They don't store it for themselves, but their heavenly Father feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than they? How much more valuable? Hey, has God always taken care of you? Has God always come through? Yes, and he will. He promises to protect you. He promises to protect you. That's what he promises too. It says, never will I leave you or forsake you. Exodus 14, 14, I love this verse. It says, the Lord God will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know, maybe it's already out of control. Maybe it's already crazy. Has there been a time you've just gotten on your knees and said, God, I want to give this to you. I want to give my relationships to you. I, I know we've got in-laws coming in. I know we've got travel coming in. I know we got, God, I want to give it to you, Father. It's all yours. And then he promises, right? He promises to prepare you. God is at work in your life. Guys, don't miss that today. God is preparing you for what God's preparing for you. God is at work in your life. God's not finished with you. There is still breath in your lungs for a reason, for a purpose. God's got a plan bigger than you can see. You hold on to him. You trust him. God's at work in you. God loves us with an everlasting love. God loves us with an everlasting love. One of my favorite verses, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, exclamation point. And that is what we are, exclamation point. I love exclamation points in the Bible. It's like God's going, get this. <laughs> Don't miss it. That's what we are. You are sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
hey, our earthly fathers will not always be here. But God always will. You know, it was four years ago that my, uh, my dad went home to be with Jesus. And I was blessed. I had a great dad. I love my dad. My dad came to know the Lord later in life. My mom, when they were dating, actually brought my dad to church, led my dad to Christ. And, and my dad, man, he just got so involved in church. I mean, he was a deacon. He was an usher. He was a greeter. He was just, he was always there. He raised us to love the Lord. My, my, my dad wasn't perfect. But my dad was a great dad. And four years ago when he met home to be with Jesus, I got to tell you, Christmas hasn't really been the same since, you know. I miss him. I miss Papa. <laughs> I miss him being there with the, the kids. But, but here's the thing I know. I know I'll see him again. <laughs> and that's what Christmas is all about. I know, I know I'll be with him again. I know that God has said, hey, listen, there is eternal life. And I know that God is with me now. And God comes in, that void, God comes in and just says, I am your heavenly father. I'm like, yes, I want to live my life for your name and for your glory, for your approval, and not for anybody else. I want to live my life for you, God, my father. God will always be there. Christmas is all about God's everlasting love for you. Please don't miss that. What did the angels say today in the town of David? A savior has been born to you, personal, to you. You know, one of Jesus' greatest stories that he ever told, and it's a story that we kind of get mixed up. We call it the story of the prodigal son. But it's really not about the prodigal son because actually in the story there's two sons. I really think it should be called the story of the loving father. You may remember this story, Right? And the younger son comes to the dad one day and he says, hey, dad, I'm tired of living here. I'm tired of living by your rules. In fact, dad, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. I want it now. And it says that the father gave him the money. And the younger son goes off and he, he goes off and he spends it in wild living. He goes off and he goes to Vegas and, you know, he's just kind of living it up, right? He's going out and doing all these things and everything's cool until the money runs out. The money runs out and all these people who thought were his friends are gone. And he finds himself alone. And the only job he could get is feeding pigs. Jesus says he's so hungry that he wants to eat the food that he's feeding to the pigs. And then Jesus said he came to his senses. And there comes a moment for every one of us, right? Where we come to our senses. I'm in rebellion against God. I'm in rebellion against him. I want to come home. I want that right relationship. And so the younger son starts rehearsing the speech. He starts going, I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to say, Dad, I've sinned against you and against God. And, and, and listen, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Hey, just maybe one of your hired servants. Because your servants are eating better than I am. Your, your servants, man, they're, they're more blessed than I am. And so he starts the journey home. And Jesus said, but while he's still a long way off, <laughs> the father sees him. And he sees him coming down the road. And the father hikes up his robe, right, which was so undignified back then, shows his leg, which was embarrassing. And he just starts to run to his son. 
It's not the condemnation. It's not the guilt. He just runs to his son. He throws his arms around him. He starts to kiss him all over, right? You know, and it smells like poop and he doesn't care. It's pigs and thigh and all this. He's, uh, he's just like loving on his son. His son's like pushing him back. Going, oh, dad, wait, 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 wait. I got a whole speech. I got this. Listen, 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 dad. I've sinned against you and against God. And the dad's like, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. And I'm no longer worthy to call my, your, your son. And dad's like, hold on, wait a minute. Were you ever worthy? Right, were you ever worthy to be my son? You are my son. You will always be my son. Hey, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. He's my son. Bring the ring and put it on his finger, the family ring. He's a part of the family. And go out and kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. Because this son of mine's home. But remember, there's two sons in this story. And the older is still out in the field. He's doing all the work, right? And he hears the music and he hears the party. And he says to one of the servants, hey, what's going on? And he says, hey, your brother's home. And your dad killed the fatted calf. There's a big celebration. And you would think the older brother would be like, yeah, my brother's home. I've been praying for him. <laughs> but no. What does he do? He gets mad. He's like, what? Dad killed the fatted calf? What? And he won't go into the party. And the father comes out to him. Jesus said the father comes out to the older brother. And he says to him, son, what are you doing? Your, your brother's home. And the older son goes, look, dad, I've been doing all this work. It's all been about me, right? I've been doing all this. And you don't ever kill the fatted calf for me. And his dad just looks at him and goes, man, you missed it. <laughs> Everything I have is yours. I, I love you. But this brother of yours, he was lost and he's found and he was dead, he's alive. We've got to celebrate. He's home. Maybe for some of you, you know, you kind of identify. See, Jesus didn't tell us what happened to the older brother. He didn't tell us whether he went into the party or not. He didn't tell us whether he went in to, to celebrate the heart of what God's doing in the world and redeeming and restoring lives, whether he stayed out there in his anger and in his entitlement and he thought it was all about him. We don't know if he missed it. <laughs> Maybe some of you identify with the younger and just go, man, I've been in rebellion. Today I need to come to my senses. I need to come back to the things of God. Maybe I've been in rebellion even in my family or against people at love. But maybe today, maybe you're just like, you know what, I've been kind of away from the heart of the Father. And Christmas is, is hard for me. And I think it's about me. Instead of seeing the love of a God who would come to us. You know, 15 years ago when I was standing in that hospital room and, and the doctor placed my oldest daughter, Grace, in my arms for the very first time. I'll never forget it. If you're a parent here, or you're a grandparent, you, you know what I'm talking about. You just looked down at your child, and I gotta tell you, I, was, I, was, I got tears coming down my face, you know, and I'm like, wow. And I looked at her, and I just thought, you know what, she can't do anything for me. She can't. And I knew there were a lot of sleepless nights in my future. I knew there were a lot of dirty diapers in my future. 
And I didn't care. Because at that moment, I think I knew a little bit of God's love that I'd never known before. And I looked at her and I just thought, I will love you for the rest of my life. I'll give my life for you. You mean that much to me? And there's a God who looks at you and says, I love you with an everlasting love. You may not be able to do anything for me, God says, but listen, I love you and I'm gonna send my one and only son for you, the greatest gift of all. And when you and I realize our self-worth and our value is in a God who loves us, and we don't have to try to live for the approval of anybody else. We don't have to try to be something that we're not. We can be who God created us to be. And we can live with boldness and with courage and with faith, knowing that God, our Father, is with us and for us. That's Christmas. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Do you know a God like that? Not a God who's mad at you, but a God who loves you. A God who created you. A God who has an incredible plan for your life. Maybe today is a day of salvation. You just say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come in my heart, my life. I need you. Forgive me my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. Maybe this morning is a morning where you just go, God, I've almost missed you this Christmas. <laughs> I've been worried about me and all the things I'm doing and what I've got to accomplish. And, and God, I just want to set my eyes and my heart on you. I want to find my worth, my value in you. I want to be able to celebrate. I want to be able to rejoice. Maybe today there's some relationships. Maybe today you need to forgive your earthly dad. It's not easy. I'm not saying it is. But maybe today, just say, God, help me. Or maybe today, you just need to say, hey, I want to be thankful for all that's happened because God had a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. Or maybe today, you just go, you know what? I need to be the dad God created me to be or the husband or the father or the wife or the mother. God, don't let me get caught up in this world and miss you in my home, in my family, with my friends. So, Father God, here we are, your people. And we thank you for Jesus who came to show us your heart, to show us that you're a God of love, that you're a God who meets our deepest need. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the privilege to call you Father. Change us this Christmas. Transform us this Christmas because of your love and your grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. After the service, I'll be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team. If you want to talk with somebody or pray with somebody, hey, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. That's what church is, the family of God. This time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward, and it's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to, to be generous, to invest in the things of God. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is you would give us your communication card and just drop it inside the basket. We'll follow up with you. If you have a prayer request, drop that in the basket as well. We will pray with you and we'll pray for you. So let me say a short prayer right now as we have a chance to give. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence this morning, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And God, 
you've given us everything. Everything we have comes from you. And so, God, let us be generous and give back and invest in your kingdom. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we give. Amen. Amen.